are now tuned into Poppy Chulo Radio. You are now tuned into Poppy Chulo Radio, the internet's sexiest radio station that's guaranteed to make you come back for more. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasters discussing some of your favorite television shows. Visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts for a complete list of all the podcasts that we produce. You will get up-to-date information on whether the podcast is currently releasing new episodes or if it's on hiatus. You will also be able to click a link to either take you to iTunes or the Poppy Chula Radio archives to download the podcast. To binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio podcasts, visit poppychularadio.com slash podcasts. This is a Poppy Chula Radio special announcement. PoppyChuloRadio.com is currently looking to expand its web presence, and we're looking for your help. If you're a fan of Poppy Chulo Radio and its signature series, please visit GoFundMe.com slash PoppyChuloRadio and help us with our campaign. Every dollar amount donated will be improving the Poppy Chulo Radio experience and making it more interactive and user-friendly. We thank you in advance for your support. This has been a Poppy Chulo Radio special announcement. We now return you to our regularly scheduled programming. The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. Get up close and personal with some of your favorite male porn stars on One on One with Poppy Chulo. Created by Poppy Chulo, One on One showcases exclusive interviews with the adult industry's most popular male performers. Here's your host, Poppy Chulo. Welcome to One on One with Poppy Chulo. Today is Wednesday, June 21st, 2017. Listeners, please welcome rising gay adult star, Liam Knox. Welcome to the show, Liam. Oh, thank you for having me. Glad to be here. It's great to have you on, man. Uh, you are taking the industry by storm, and it's exciting to have you on to allow the listeners and your fans and supporters to get to know a little bit more about you. Well, that's what I'm here for, you know, just sharing part of who you are, because what you're putting forth on the camera is a little portion, and I'd like to let everyone know as much as they care to know, or they'll endure. 
Awesome. Well, let's get into it. I always like to start off these interviews by getting physical stats out the way. Just because, for the most part, the fans that are watching your performances, I mean, they don't get the chance to see you in person. So, they might be curious to know some of your physical stats. So, let's start off with height and weight. I am a five foot nine, and it varies between 215 to 220 as far as how much I've had to eat that week. So a good week, about 220, and a bad week, about 215. What's your ethnic background? Um, largely, well, this is according to uh, DNA testing. So it's 48% Irish and 98% European. Uh, the largest bulk of it consisting, consisting of English, Irish, and Scottish, with a, a few others in there. But we're all, we're all mixes and mutts, which makes it interesting. Exactly. What's your zodiac sign? I am a Libra with Leo rising, and you'll you'll see that represented on my body in, in progression here soon. Very awesome. And how old are you? Ah, I am turning 42 this year in September. Happy early birthday. Well, thank you. Thank you. I've survived this long. I'm hoping for a few more. There you go. Awesome. So before we get into our exclusive one-on-one -on -one with Poppy Chulo interview, here's our announcer with a few reminders on how you can interact with us. Thank you for downloading one-on-one -on -one with Poppy Chulo. Here are a few helpful reminders. For more information on one-on-one -on -one with Poppy Chulo, visit poppychuloradio.com slash after dark. Follow Poppy Chulo on Twitter at twitter.com slash poppychulo one on one. That's at Poppy Chulo. The number one. The word on. And the number one. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash poppychulo radio. Follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash poppychulo radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Help support Poppy Chula Radio financially by visiting gofundme.com slash poppychularadio. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. Back to you. Poppy Chulo. Thanks, announcer. Okay, so Liam, I want to get to know a bit about the man behind the performer. Where are you originally from? Well, I'm originally from Knoxville, Tennessee. I grew up more in the country or the rural side of the town. So it's it's a small, it's a big, small city with a lot of progressing to do. So you, I came up in a, like I said, a city that stepped back into time about 20 years, and it's finally jumping forward at least level with the rest of the nation on its progressive ability, uh, mindset. So, and if it helps any, it's the home of Dolly Parton for all Dolly Parton fans out there. That's what's up. Very cool. What was Liam Knox like growing up? Um, he was a skinny little kid on a horse farm that uh, didn't have any siblings, so learned to entertain himself. 
um, developed an imagination, and I think that imagination took a probably a little more adult turn the older I've gotten. So that's that's always fun when it comes down to it and meeting people uh, with creativity. But you spend a lot of time on the farm, um, taking care of the horses, going out, making up little words, worlds and adventures on your own because there aren't many kids growing up. Um, so that meant social interaction skills were a little different, and they, they still maintain that way today. But that's kind of who I was growing up, the, the quiet kid, the shy kid, uh, that always made friends with girls easily um, because they wanted to come over and see the horses too. <laughs> that's what's up. When did you first realize your attraction to men? Oh, I, that would be the first time I probably watched He-Man. Um, oh, and I really? Guess that made an imprint. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, come on. He's he's half naked. He's wielding a sword that a pretty intense woman in a magic castle has given him to transform himself. There's there's pretty much gay iconography right there. But that was when I saw that there's something here that I feel differently. You know, when you see him in the loincloth, and half of the other, even the villains as well. So that's kind of the first time you get an inkling, I get, at least I did, that, you know, something is a little bit different about me. How difficult was it to sort of process that while you were living in the South, which is traditionally, you know, much more conservative, especially on their views on homosexuality? Well, as far as... As far as your friends when you're growing up, it's just something you really don't discuss because, like most of us, you're afraid to discuss it with your friends. But growing up, I had a very, um, very supportive mother that made it apparent and, well, apparent and was clear in her communication to me that she didn't care who I was or what I grew up to be just as long as I was happy with who I am and who I, who I chose to be. Um, and, and in no unspecific terms, I don't care if you like girls, if you like guys, I, or if you're gay, I don't care, just as long as you're true to who you are. So that made it a little different growing up for me, knowing that you have that love and acceptance from your family. Um, and when that's the case, no one else really matters. So it made growing up in the South a little different for me. You see a lot of a lot of people who hide themselves from their families um, because of their religious backgrounds. You see a lot of friends of people who hide themselves from their friends because of a fear of judgment and the communities they were raised in. And growing up on that farm where you're a little isolated, you aren't quite as influenced in your views of what other people think or caring what others think because your interaction with them consists of only eight hours a day when you're at school. And there's not a lot of interaction there when you're going off doing things on your own on the mm -hmm. playground. Um, or at least when you go into recess. When your teachers are communicative with you, um, it lended towards 
a different experience than most have growing up in the South. Um, it wasn't the persecuted or tortured one so much so as other people. Um, but so it made it easier for me not to stick out. That's really interesting. I'm glad that you shared your story because I think a lot of people think of the South in sort of like the stereotypical kind of way. And it's interesting that you didn't necessarily have that kind of journey. So did you have like a coming out moment? Like, did you have a moment in your life that you would consider to be like the moment that you came out? Or was it something that was always known, just never really discussed that kind of thing? It was never, well, my, it was never really discussed. Um, because I never had a girlfriend growing up, um, never really expressed interest in it. The focus for my family was, of course, we don't care who you like, or just as long as you're happy, of course. And that the focus was on get your education, get through school, focus on the things that matter. So much so. We don't care if you get, you know, we're not focused on getting you married. We're not worried about you focusing on girls. You focus on what matters most, and that is getting your education and getting a foundation where you can start to build a life later on. Um, and all the rest will just fall into, into, all the pieces will fall into place when the time is right. Um, so that's a, that's largely what it was with me. It's, I don't know, it's just, it, mine, mine was a little different as far as everything was concerned. But so when it came to coming out, there was no unspoken that this is the case uh, because everyone has their own mannerisms, their own telltales, their own giveaways. Some moms know, some moms don't. Um, I just stayed focused on school. Um, my, of course, your your cartoons or your your sci-fi programs that you enjoy, your TV programs that you enjoy when you're growing up. And there's really never really any discussion of of sex or of sexual preference. Um, so my big moment, of official coming out, came as a coming out moment, a a big reveal when. During way back during the days of AOL 1.5 when you start going into chat rooms to meet people, because it's a little safer when you're trying to feel your way into your own sexual awakening, that this was a natural avenue for someone who was a shyer type, so that you could meet and or talk to people, and that in a slightly safer setting because you're afraid, not sure how people are going to respond to you when you go out into the world because you do hear all these other stories. You do see what happens on TV. You hear about Matthew Shepard. You hear about everything that's happening and you respond and react with the avenues that are available to you. Um, and one of these conversations that I had while online, um, it was you know, an arranged to oh, I'm going to meet this person, and we're going to you know, have coffee, quote-unquote. And it has directions to where you're going to meet. When you accidentally leave one of those conversations laying around, and your mother picks it up and reads it, 
and the conversation happens. I guess you would say that was my quote unquote coming out. Mm, okay. Yeah. That's interesting. That's interesting. Although, because of everything that you had stated up until this point, I'm sure even though, I guess, she had found something that she wasn't supposed to find, it was still an easier conversation than you probably anticipated that it was going to be. Certain parts of it, yes. Um, the, the being gay, <clears throat> she was okay. Well, more of, this still a little unsettling, of course. Um, I wish you would discuss this with me sooner. Um, the part that she wasn't quite so okay with was going to meet people off the internet because you see they, you know, these the datelines or the, the to catch a predators. You see when when your family or your mother is watching this or this comes up on TV, and then she finds a conversation. In hindsight. Yes, it probably wasn't the most intelligent thing to do. Um, but like I said, it was the avenue that you saw or I saw as the most the most viable option. And that was pretty much what she was most concerned about was someone going to meet someone off the internet that I did not know. Uh, granted, this was at the ripe old age of 19 because yes, I, I held my virginity till 19. Um, that that was her primary concern, that I was doing something that was more dangerous um, and could get hurt. Which is understandable. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, what was going on with your life prior to entering the adult industry? Ah, well, moved from Tennessee to San Francisco almost three years ago. Mm -hmm. Well, December will be three years, so about two and a half years. And I will start at, say, at mid-30s. So living, working in Tennessee as a personal trainer and nutritionist with my clients on a private basis and with uh, a corporate chain gym. And that led to meeting my... Uh, my now ex-partner that was on scrub in our conversation. And at that point, you know, there wasn't a lot tying me to Knoxville anymore with you know, most of my immediate family passed away. So the conversation and topic came up. Why are you, no, why are you still in Knoxville? Why what's holding you there? This is after about four months of dating um, coast to coast and flying back and forth. And that just led to me moving to San Francisco, um, getting engaged, um, building, establishing and building my personal trading and nutrition business here, and just settling into the city, which as much as people would think, oh, that's a, that's a culture shock or a change, it, wasn't really because the people in San Francisco are friendly. They're accepting. The people in Tennessee are friendly. Maybe not so much so accepting in rural areas of being gay, but in your more blue areas like, say, Knoxville or Chattanooga or other cities, it's much more accepting, especially considering you've got um, 
entertainment industry in the area, which is usually we all know plenty of plenty of our friends of Dorothy and the dancing and singing community. And that's pretty much what was happening before getting into the adult industry. Um, and that's that's a whole other story as far as my entry into the adult industry is concerned. Which we're going to get into right now. So before we get into the actual story, though, as we transition to discussing your career in porn, I want to ask, how long exactly have you been in the business? Ah, so I started, had my first meeting with Keith Webb at Titan, and it would have been, actually it was the beginning of September, and then two, two weeks later, right before Folsom Street Fair, was on a plane, headed to Palm Springs um, to film my first scene with first scenes rather with Dallas Dill and with Dirk Tabor. Um, so that was, so that's, so it's been September of last year. So coming up a full year now. Very cool. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. You're it's welcome. Been interesting. I would say so. It's been quite a year. So let's get into that. So, all right. How exactly did you get into the gay adult industry? How did you go about <laughs> becoming a porn star? And where did the idea uh, come from? Well, uh, so I've been friends with um, Dirk um, for a while now. We'll, we'll backtrack a little bit. Uh, it seems like the porn industry has always circled my life. I've uh, never, from dating people that were in porn, um, to, and then that transitioned into well maybe this is something i could do you know you question yourself thinking about it uh, and then fast forward from dating people that were in this industry so you have a mindset of what it's like knowing kind of what to expect and you hit that fast forward button moving into set well a little bit before september it was actually the beginning of the summer i've been friends with dirk for about a year and a half before entering the uh, the porn industry and he had proposed the idea to me about getting into it um, and showing my photos to, to Keith at Titan and they had expressed an interest and at the time uh, so that probably wouldn't bode too well with my relationship um, however thank you I'm extremely flattered and they left the offer on the table for me so that after my engagement broke off and being being single with an, an increased financial load in San Francisco, which is an expensive city, it's a very expensive city, you start thinking of creative options or ways to augment your income as well as you know building up your printing business even more. So that fast forwarded me into contacting uh, Keith Webb and Dirk Tabor uh, to express, you know, I was actually able and interested now to enter into the adult industry. Um, and they were very warm, very accepting, and had graciously waited patiently. So that went into a lunch meeting with Keith 
<clears throat> pardon me, and Dirk while he was in town visiting. My ticket was booked. I was filming my first two scenes by the third, you know, the third week of September. And then the following week was Folsom Street Fair. And the rest, as they say, was history or is history ongoing. Yeah, man. That's fascinating. So what was it about Titan, Titan Media, that drew you in? Was it just because of the connections that you had that you decided to start off your career with Titan? Well, I've always been a fan of Titan. Um, from, I remember when I saw the, the label first pop up. And the images... The, the images they project, the, the overall energy and look of the performers usually drew me to their box covers or to their scenes. And there are other studios, of course, there out there that um, I've always appreciated in my, my special alone time or maybe shared time with someone. But it was Titan's imagery and... One of the major draws to me after that was um, pulling me to Titan in and of itself was the fact that if you're going to enter into it, why wouldn't you want to enter into it with a studio that's had names like uh, Spencer Reed, that's had Francois Sagat, uh, Landon Conrad, that's uh, Jesse Jackman, all these names and images of people that have become... Uh, sort of iconic imageries of masculinity within the industry in and of itself. Um, you'd be hard-pressed to approach someone and ask them, do you know how, who Francois Sagat is? Most everyone is going to know right off the bat, oh yes, he was a Titan exclusive. And it was not just the fact of them being Titan men, it's the overall image that they project, the who they are on and off camera as well, from reading interviews and seeing who they are in their daily lives, you see these men that are men on camera, and generally not a not a character that has been created. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that because sometimes people don't want to give every single bit of who they are to keep sane. And I completely am. As long as it makes someone happy and keeps them sane and healthy in their personal life, creating that distinction between the two, I fully support that. But these were people who were, these were men that were just men that were, concer that were concerned and cared about their physique, that just let themselves be natural and do what comes naturally to men. And that was, was and is still extremely appealing, um, at least to me. Um, men being men and doing what gay men want to do and do to each other. When you initially contacted Titan, did the talk of exclusivity come up immediately or 
did that come later after you did your first two shoots in Palm Springs? Like, where did uh, the idea to make you one of the Titan men come from? Well, I'm not sure where they got the idea from because I was nervous as I'll get out on my first <laughs> two scenes. Because, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, there's, there's, a certain, there's certain expectations. Like, okay, my body is going to respond. Yeah, that's okay. Um, but then you're going, well, you're comparing yourself because of what you've seen or what you've watched over the years, and you can't really witness it happening. But the reaction that received from uh, from Jason Mark during it was very encouraging, was very accepting, um, and seemed extremely pleased. Um, so the talks of exclusivity actually... I mean, I don't know what was happening before the first scene was con uh, is concerned, um, but after my first two scenes, the um, the initial talks of exclusivity um, began, or rather, the offers for that, um, and that is entirely understandable because I mean, you don't want to buy a cow that can't produce milk, figuratively and literally speaking, in this industry that way. Um, but that's kind of about when it happened. So right off, let's say right off the bat, after the first two scenes, that's when the, the talks of exclusivity and the contracts um, were talked and, and negotiated through. That's awesome, man. That's very cool. They saw something in you, which is uh, pretty neat because you have been added to a roster of incredible talent and that is extremely humbling as well because i said you see these you see these men that when you're a young gay man forming his body images and forming his self images that i mean we find porn pretty early on you're going to seek it out um especially in, in the south where it's hot and and sticky and it makes you rather frustrated to help get to sleep at night and you you know have these these videos or these images that you're that you seek out and at your disposal but to see to be you know pulled in well not pulled in um pulled towards titan and added to those to the roster of the, like the names that i've mentioned spencer francois Jesse, it's it's very humbling because you see these images and they form your body image and you mold yourself kind of in this vein or in this venue, um, not for the express purpose of, oh, I want to be a Titan man or I want to be, you know, whatever studio, just for the, I see this as a healthy image of masculinity. Um, and there are different, you know, there's all different forms of masculinity as far as that's concerned. And I think as long as you embrace what feels right to you, and this is what felt right to me. This is something that I thought, this is healthy. This is my body. This is a focus on intelligence, um, which you know, sometimes we all question around intelligence, especially when you forget and put your car keys in the refrigerator. And a... <laughs> general acceptance and of what others can be and open-mindedness and willingness to accept people for who they are which is kind of at least what i've come to 
know as the the form or a, a standard of what a man can be called intelligent, healthy, and open-minded. How long is your contract for? Is it a year exclusive contract? Is it for a little bit more? Is it for a little bit less? How long is your contract for with Titan? Well, uh, so the contract initially uh, is for a year. Um, as, and as far as time-wise concerned, you know, Keith and I talk on a regular basis about what he wants to do and what I want to do. Um, and of course, I would love to remain with Titan. Um, and that's, of course, if the fan base enjoy what is there, if the, you know, the, the viewer response is there, the numbers are there as well, because this is a business, and I completely mm-hmm. understand and respect that. Um, but it's, they're a company that I would love to, you know, to continue with as long as as long as they'll have me. But then, you know, my initial contract for a year, and completely understandable. I know there are others that have been that have been and are Titan men that start off with a year, and usually the contracts will renew, or maybe it'll be a longer term contract. Um, but I think the idea of the first year is an initial is a good idea initially because it gives you a time frame as a a young or at least young and experienced in the industry. Um, considering I'm not I'm a little longer in the tooth or getting there at least that it gives you time to feel not just the company out from an internal aspect but to get a sense for the industry in and of itself, if you want to continue, uh, if it's just not for you, and they've been very open, here's this contract. If you like it and feel this is right for you, that's great. If you don't, we completely understand. They're just a great company to work for because they're not pressuring you. They want you to be happy. And that's really one of the things that makes me want to continue on with them past that first year. Let's talk about your porn name. How did you come up with uh, the name that you chose for yourself as a porn performer? Uh, well, Liam Knox. Well, given of my, you know, given my um, heritage, or at least my genetic heritage, um, Liam is a fine Irish name that would be befitting of any young ginger. And Knox, of course, is you know, Knoxville, where I'm originally from. And the name was actually, so as you see in Audition, which was a screenplay, screenplay that Jesse Jackman wrote about his coming out in the porn industry. So it's a, it is his coming out story in the porn industry and was written for me to play him, which kind of mimics his coming out as well. So it's, there's a, there's a, a dual, a dual message within that within that one film. But we're laying in bed um, after a very enjoyable scene, discussing, and he suggests my name as Liam Knox. And it was actually he and Dirk Caber that had suggested the name to me. And the reason it stuck with me is because one of my good friends who is from Knoxville, um, who worked with another porn studio, 
um, his last name going into the industry was uh, Rob Knox. So I, and he unfortunately went far beyond his time in an auto accident. And I thought that would be a, a, a good homage to someone that was a, a very good friend that was suggested by two other very good friends. I think it was a great choice. I think one of the things about picking the right name, you have to pick a name that's catchy and that's easy to remember. And I think you picked a great one. Well, thank you. Um, four letters, easy. And that was that was really good in and of itself. Oh, this is perfect. It's just, I can't get tongue twisted saying it. That's even better. Exactly. There you go. All <laughs> right. So we've sort of teased a little bit, or I should say you've teased a little bit through your answers about the first time that you shot a scene. So can you share with the listeners a little bit more in detail what that, I guess it was a weekend in Palm Springs where, where you shot two scenes? It was it was a longer weekend. Um, okay, I'd actually arrived on a Thursday. Was it? No, pardon me. I arrived on yeah, that's right. I arrived on Thursday evening. I filmed Friday day, and then had um, Saturday off, and filmed again on Sunday, and then flew back on Monday morning. Um, but that first scene was with Dallas Steele, actually, for uh, Two Men Kiss. Um, and it was... They were very patient with me in the you know, direction. Uh, at least Jason was very and very communicative, helping me, you know, to find what angles or get into what positions were needed to be, needed to be achieved. Um, but it was, it was, let's say, an extended weekend in Palm Springs um, in the same house that um, Incubus was filmed in. So I had a bit of a, a fanboy moment. Oh, that's awesome. Yes, it's complete because you're looking at it going, that's, that, was, that was where the underwater cum shot happened. This is where, um, this is where he crawled out from underneath the bed. And yes, so you have those... You have those fanboy moments um, where you just want to grab a UV light and say, is it still on the walls? Can I still find it? <laughs> um, but there was, it was a good scene. Um, it was a longer shoot, of course, because it's your first scene and nerves get in the way a little bit. And you're still, for being 41, you're still, or, well, yeah, you're still learning about your body. Um, and some of the chips and triggers that will help you get to where you need to be. So it made, it was a longer wait for um, the cum shot, which Dallas was more than a trooper to endure. So yeah, it was good. I'll say, I'll say that. Um, not many people are going to complain about having to be with, you know, a hot daddy for about seven, eight hours. So was getting that shoot sort of uh, out of the way per se on your first full day there, did that make the second shoot easier to do? Because you got the chance to maybe get your nerves out of the way the first time. You got the chance to sort of understand the process of filming a scene. And did that make 
the second one easier or was it still sort of as nerve-wracking because uh you know now you know what's going on so it makes the pressure even more so i guess my question is did having that first scene alleviate the pressure or did it uh sort of like increase the pressure for that second scene on the sunday it it actually built up a little more anxiety um internally for me because you're sitting there going to bed that night thinking to yourself this is going to be okay how is this going to go the next day uh, because you know that you know you have chemistry with someone because Dirk and I were friends and um, there may have been you know a quote-unquote casting couch moment but you know that chemistry is going there you know how you operate one-on-one but when you put it in that setting it changes it a little bit of course um, and having that experience the first day made, made just a little more anxiety, of course, in your mind for the second shoot. Um, but Dirk was a great guy and, you know, of course, is a consummate professional who's been in the industry for, for quite a while. And when you've got that chemistry going into it with each other, you know we can sit down, you can talk. And that's what he did, of course. It was very, very comforting, new my triggers to actually help the scene go along and it's it means something when someone who knows your triggers and knows how things operate with you to help actually teach you and show you what some of those are because they have the self-same triggers let's say and that actually going into it after you know, talking and once things started working and happening it was more of a oh hi the cameras are just there and Hey guys, can you stop for a second, please? We need to, we need to make a couple adjustments. Okay, well, you go ahead and do that. We're going to keep going. You learned. I learned the second day that um, I just need to let my body do its own work instead of letting my head get in the way. Yes, the the one on top of your body. <laughs> <laughs> well, there, there was there was a. There was a, yeah, me on top, him on top, whoever's on top moment. Yes, yes, that was that was actually a very fun flip scene, um, and I really especially enjoyed uh, Jason's usage of the looking at back at it, the the zoom in in the mirror uh, from behind, so that it's the camera looking into the mirror. You think you're looking into one of our faces, and as it pulls back you realize you're watching from the mirror in and of itself. So it's a, a voyeur viewing through a, um, through an external source, which is really fun. What do you enjoy most about starring in porn scenes? Ah. I... Well, I, wouldn't, I enjoy not so much starring. I enjoy co-starring because it's about that chemistry and that interaction um some people enjoy being the center of attention i enjoy creating something with my scene partner that people can be pulled into and see that this is chemistry this these are two men that are actually having fun and into each other because i think we can all 
see sometimes if a scene isn't quite working between two people and you don't feel that chemistry there. Um, so what I enjoy the most is creating something with someone who is equally into it and you create that chemistry so that other people can feel it and enjoy it. Um, so I guess to say that's probably my favorite thing is this creating something for others to be drawn into um, and that they can feel that come across the screen. No pun intended, of course. Well, maybe just a little bit. But they <laughs> can like that. feel that exact same thing on the other end of the screen that, oh, I'm actually watching two men that are into each other instead of two men that are just making a scene. I like that answer. Awesome. So let's talk about the good and the bad about being on set. What turns you on the most and what turns you off the most on a porn set? Um, what turns me on the most is when my scene partner and I'm, I'm sure you'll, you can ask any of my scene partners that I don't let them get very far out of arm's reach from me. Um, what turns me on is being into it with each other, not letting that chemistry break. You're having sex, you're kissing, you're exploring each other's bodies, building and ebbing and flowing for hours. Um, trying, you know, building this scene, making this scene, so that the chemistry doesn't really break. That's what turns me on the most, is when my scene partner is right there with me, that is just as much into it, because you're into the chemistry with each other. Um, and you're focused on making a good scene and getting a good shot, so that people can enjoy and can see exactly what's happening and create something that will last, uh, that has cinematography that has um, a very a unique perspective, let's say, to it. Um, and one of the things that turns me off the most is if someone, I grant, so I, I'm fine with, if you need to see, if one of my scene partners needs external stimulation, that's a bit of a turnoff to me because you're supposed to be into it with each other. Um, and if someone is constantly going towards their phone in between scenes, you want to return a text to someone or you need to check up on something that's cool or you're trying to show me something, hey, um, that you thought was funny, a meme, something or a scene that you saw that you liked. Fun, we can watch this together. We, it, but it's something that you can experience together as well uh, while creating your scene. Um, but someone who's just using their phone um, as the stimulation and you're there, it makes you feel like a prop. And no one, no one in this world enjoys feeling like a third wheel, like a, like a part of the scenery, especially when you're doing something that is about chemistry, that is about men creating sexual chemistry, that it's men enjoying their bodies with each other. And building making something that others can watch and others can enjoy and feel like they're a part of it as well um so that's a, I mean, this is the longer form answer answer of it is someone that's in it that is very 
hands-on and very into it with you is the turn on and someone with the turn off is someone that just isn't into it that is into a piece of technology that was a really good answer liam i like it so let's break a porn scene down in a scene which do you enjoy the most giving or receiving oral Oh, wow. Um, I'm going to qualify that with a subjective answer. It depends on... It kind of depends on the partner a little bit. Um, I will openly admit that I am a, a fan of oral appreciation of a penis, yes. And I'm very much a fan of orally appreciating a a nice sizable uh, penis as well uh, that way you can appreciate it um appreciate all penises of all sizes of course i love how you're making um, it I sound very classy I-, I like it <laughs> <laughs> it's very fancy well, the way you're saying it it's, it's, a southern, it's, it's, it's called it's, you know a southern trait we'll put it that way there you um, go. I like it. The little, a little southern gentleman. Um, but I enjoy giving just as much as I enjoy getting. And that's the reason 69 is one of my favorite numbers. As a matter of fact, it's been my perpetual softball jersey number. Um, like a lot of other gay men, big surprise there. But when you can fill your mouth and your throat full um, and get to use as many muscles as possible... In the appreciation of it, you know, tongue, uh, feeling all sorts of fluids, getting into it, um, creating something that is very visual to you, and then getting drawn into that visual as far as delivering oral, I'm all about it. Um, And as far as when someone enjoys and just sits back and takes their time to not just manhandle your cock but really appreciate it licking blowing just getting into it rubbing their face all in it I mean who wasn't appreciate that Um, so I like both equally I have to say and that comes with also comes across in my in my appreciation of the fact of I enjoy the fact of being very versatile and other aspects as well. In a scene, which do you enjoy the most in regards to rimming, giving or receiving? Oh, oh now this, there's no doubt about this. I love to, to give. I really love to give in a scene. Um, the only thing I am... It's unfortunate is that when you're giving it, you can't be as into it's face planted, um, doing everything that you would do in private because you've got to leave some room for the camera, of course, and so people can see what's happening or what's doing. So the way you can make it appealing there as well. But rimming is definitely one of my favorites. I enjoy being rimmed as well. Don't get me wrong. Um, I might be a little bossy in that that experience in that respect and start giving pointers of what I like to someone. Um, 
but that will also be in the fact of I'm going to flip you over and show you exactly what I like, and I'm going to do it to you, and I'm going to learn and figure out which and what trips your trigger as well in the process. Um, but unequivocally, unequivocally, it's having someone legs up, rolled over on their back, uh, or with their, their hips are up in the air, face first, and just giving them hell. In a scene, what's your favorite sexual position? And I want to break this question down in two ways because uh, in the industry there are power tops there are power bottoms and i am dubbing you a power verse so i have to ask you when you're topping what's your favorite position and when you're bottoming what's your favorite position uh so when i'm topping my favorite you probably you, well, you would have seen it in Tax. Um, there's a moment where Bennett, uh, Bennett Anthony is riding me. And we had received the instructions, so we want to, we want to start this position, we want to get you into this position. Um, and my solution to that was, okay, Bennett's riding me. I push him backwards and then come up on my legs and we're in a, in a crab position so that the full length of your cock can enter and exit from, from the base all the way in. And that's probably one of my favorites is that crab position. Um, secondary favorite, of course, is going to be the missionary because I like to see my partner's eyes when I'm inside of them. So I can read what's happening with their body and what's happening with them and make it enjoyable for them. Um, to the point that sometimes I have to pull back because they might be getting a little too close and the scene's not done yet. And as far as when I'm bottoming, I'd say one of my and it's going to depend on the on the penis in and of itself as well, the cock. As far as if you have a a downturn, uh, a downward turn, kind of like Jesse Jackman's, it's on all fours. Uh, if you have an upwards curve, I like to be on my back. Um, granted, that's a little harder for the top as well because my hips aren't as flexible as others, so you get to kind of lean into it and push them back. But um, if, I'm, if I'm bottoming, I want you to hit that spot, and I want you to hit it as hard as you can. And, of course, we know how a porn scene ends with the cum shot. In a scene, where is your favorite place to shoot your load? And the same, sort of like the vice versa, when you're bottoming in a scene, where is your favorite place for the load to land? Uh, probably, so when I'm bottoming, I do enjoy the feeling of a cum shot when it hits my back. Um, and of course, that's just if someone has a little more pressure, because I enjoy that feeling of it's going all over your back. That's kind of hot to me. Uh, well, it's very hot to me. Um. 
but if it's not as if there's not if the pressure's not as intense in their cum shot, um, then I like them to come on my cock so that that turns into lubricant for me that's a lot easier and then mixes in with yours and there's just an extremely hot moment um, psychologically in that for me. And as far as delivering a cum shot, probably one of my favorites and it's gonna you'll there's an upcoming scene where you'll see this is I enjoy giving a facial. Um, doesn't always work out that way, of course, but that's probably one of my favorites to do is deliver a facial to someone um, after topping them. Liam likes to make a mess. Yeah, largely because I like licking it up off their face afterwards. So. Oh, okay, there you go. So that's a very that's good for a kiss right there. You get some dessert after working hard to achieve it. Yes, man meringue. There you go. <laughs> Who have been some of your most favorite performers to work with so far? Um, so, of course, Dirk Tabor and um, Jesse Jackman. I've, everyone's been great to work with. I'm not... That's, that's pretty much a guarantee because Titan's not going to have anyone in their, in their stable... Um, that isn't going to be fun. It is not going to be enjoyable to work with. And I found that to be quite some, very quite the case. Um, but some of my favorites, of course, Jesse Jackman, Dirk Kaber. Um, there are some scenes that haven't been released yet that were a lot of fun to, uh, to work and to make. Um, I've seen with Lorenzo Flex that will be coming out. Um, and probably my scene with Jack Vidra was one of my favorites to make as well, because that was, that was just easy chemistry. Um, I'm going to, you have to call me, I'm a little bit of a, a little bit indecisive there because every single one has been fun and you find something favorite or something that you enjoy most with all the performers that you've worked with, um, so they all make you feel a certain special way in certain special places that are hidden from the sun. Well, there you go. But probably those four are some of my favorites, just because the chemistry flowed so quickly and so easily. Um, and Matthew Bosch, which that scene will be coming out. Um, and that was a probably one of the easiest and fastest scenes shot to date. One, because of chemistry, it was there. And two, I actually was scheduled for a flight at 4 o'clock that afternoon. So we were under the gun as far as getting that scene made. Who have you not worked with that you'd like to do a scene with? Especially since you are a part of like the stable of Titan Men. So uh, you have several there that you can pick from. And uh, Titan always has sort of like their regulars that they use all the time. Uh, a lot of performers that aren't exclusives that uh, are in a lot of their production. So there's a, a good crop of guys that you can pick and choose from. Oh, yes. Yeah. And I, and I do have... Keith has my list as far as that's concerned. Oh, there is a list. Uh, he, I like uh, yeah, that. He, that, was, that was one of the questions. So who would you like to film with? Um, and um, and he said, you know, past, present. So I can, that way he can get an idea 
of who and what I like as well. Um, because that, that plays into it when you're going to put two people together or you're picking people to make a scene together um, for a movie. And probably one of my one of my guaranteed favorites as far as making a scene with someone is number one, since they this is before they returned to the industry uh, recently, it would be Francois Sagat, of course, because that is one of, like I said, your one of my uh, icons going into it. And making that would be a full circle for me. Uh, another one would probably have to be um, Dakota Rivers because he has been working with Titan for and in the industry for quite a while. And he's a very gorgeous man. And I think, you know, that would be a fun scene to have chemistry with. Um, definitely, I think Tex and I could make a fun scene. It could be, a, it could be an interesting scene as well. As far as the chemistry is concerned, and we have a similar um, aesthetic, but different as well, of course. Uh, just looking at our skin tone. Come on. That would work really well as far as balancing out the white balance of the scene or the color balance. And one of my friends that would be a very, I, you know, he's been my friend for a while. And I think it would be fun to memorialize that friendship on camera, even though he hasn't worked with, uh, with Titan. But that would probably have to be um, Boomer Banks. And, oh, okay. Um, yes. And I would love to do a scene with Diego Reyes. All of them are great choices. Who are some people in the industry? Now, this can be people behind the camera as well as in front of the camera that you look up to. Are there any individuals in the gay porn industry whose career trajectory inspire you with yours? Oh, that's a very good question. Thank you. Um, I try. I would, <laughs> uh, I would have to say people that have in, inspired me with the trajectory of their career. Um, Jesse, of course, is a, a, Jesse is just a mentor to me as well in the industry. He's not just a friend, but a mentor. And I have to say, you know, his his career, um, because not just of the amount of films that he's placed in, a, in the video catalogs, um, but what he's done with his career, um, where he, the way he's used it to create a voice. Um, for example, with his blog in the Huffington Post, that tackles not just porn, that tackles politics, that tackles the dynamics of interpersonal relationships, um, that tackles society in general. I think what he has done with it is something that as adult performers, we could all do. We could take the example of the, the queens that you post Stonewall that use their voices in the community to raise a level of awareness, to raise uh, a voice and give those lesser voices within the community um, a megaphone 
to provide a binding element so much so. And I think anyone that is in with the community, uh, adults, gay entertainment, what have you, has the opportunity to speak up for our community um, and present how they feel, um, what they think is how they feel injustice occurs to try to reflect um, and amplify what is happening within the community, um, maybe a consensus voice, so that we can raise awareness and we can try to come together. I mean, it, granted, it's porn, yes, but it's something you can use towards a greater platform as well. Um, <clears throat> so Jesse is one of those who has done that. Um, Dirk has done that in his talks about uh, human sexuality, about personal personal awareness. Um, and let's see here. I would have to say Keith Webb has been you know, one of those influencing factors as well because he went from being behind or being in front of the camera to being behind the camera and projecting the studio forward. He... Um, so he's provided that opportunity to continue the Titan brand. He um, and there are others in the industry that have done the same thing as well, like Francois. Not just by making porn, he has used his voice to and his social media to challenge and blur the rules of what is seen as gender identity. Um, he retains his masculine image. He retains his image of manhood, but also allows for the acceptance of gender fluidity, which is something we're moving forward into in this new generation, a voice of acceptance that we all need to accept within the community, whether you are more effeminate, whether you're hyper-masculine, whether you are um, leaner, whether you're heavier, um, whatever your image is, whoever you are within the community, these are things, these are issues that in a cross-section, Francois has challenged and taken on with his social media and placed it in the public viewpoint. Um, and then you have other performers um, that have been inspirational um, with their career and with, say, their recent coming out, much at case in point, uh, Hans Berlin with his Gravy's acceptance speech that was extremely moving, that talks of acceptance and talks of acceptance and a challenging of stigma for performers within the industry that are HIV positive so that they can come out of that closet. So we need to try to remove that stigma as well. These are voices that I think have been inspirational, um, that have provided a lens and a focus within this industry for a variety of topics um, that at least to me carry a certain weight because they are not just topics within the industry. They are topics that transcend through our entire community, that transcend through society in general. Um, these are people that are speaking their mind, that are using this level of notoriety that they have, that they have achieved 
to create a social awareness that um, is, quite frankly, to me, inspirational um, and can be viewed by everyone in the industry as something we could all be better about, that we could all be better about in life, that we could all try to encourage from every single person we meet within the community. Liam Knox is bringing it with the answers. Another fantastic answer, Liam. Thank you. You're welcome. Something that I'm kind of curious to ask you about, especially since we are coming upon uh, your one-year anniversary in the industry, and you have been uh, sort of like pumping out, uh, literally and figuratively, some really amazing scenes with incredible performers in the business, is... Do you watch your own scenes? Is that something that... (laughs) I got a reaction. That's good. Is that something (laughs) that uh, you try to do? Do you like watching your scenes to sort of um, critique yourself and to improve your work? Or are you of the ilk that's like, no, I don't want to see it. I lived through it. I don't want to see it because I will critique myself and that's going to drive me crazy. So where do you stand on watching your own scenes? I think, so this is the funny part, I can watch my scenes, but I have to watch them with someone else because I will become hypercritical of myself so much to the point. So it provides that that venue of pulling, it pulls me out of it a little bit because I am hypercritical of the scenes, which is good because I can look at myself going, uh, this is something I'm not too much of a fan of, say it. If it's a mannerism or you know, something like, oh, I, like, I didn't realize I did this, uh, but I like this. Um, it makes you aware of, more aware of who you are, the things that you do without thinking sometimes. Um, and I, so as far as watching my scenes, I have to wait a little while, at least a month. So I've only watched four of my scenes that are out so far. And then because I have to watch them long after they've been out so I can go into and sit down with one of my friends that says, Oh no, that's hot. This, I, this is a really good scene because it provides that perspective of this is what people are seeing versus my perspective of here's what happened. Um, here's where I got distracted or here's what pops in my head during the scene. If I got distracted, um, here's where um, we had to break the scene or um, I didn't have my leg position right. Um, here's where I don't like the way my hair was cut that short, so I need to do something about it in the future with my barber or different things. You look at it, I look at it and hypercritic, um, hypercriticize it. And my, that's the reason I like to watch it with someone else, one of my friends, so that they can say, no, I, I wouldn't have even known any of that. I didn't care. This is what I thought about the scene. And this was what I thought was hot, or this is what I liked. Um, so I can, I do watch my own scenes in time um, and not alone. Because for me, it's, you know, there's not the sexual aspect of it. I was there. I did it. I know what it felt like. I know, you know what the chemistry is like. Um, and I can revisit that later when I'm alone, but not with the video in and of itself. Um, but then I can also watch, and I'll watch videos of other performers or, uh, and say, oh, oh, here's what they did. Their bodies has maybe a similar shape. Their hips are different. 
or, or is similar in this fashion. Here's what they did to open up. Oh, let me try that with my body. I like that. I like that. Um, because it's about making a better and better product for the public. Um, and if you can incorporate that into, into your scenes, then go for it. And you can incorporate it naturally and make it your own, not just a copy, but do make an homage to what they're doing, but your version of it. Now it's time for a question. I'm sure a lot of your hardcore fans might be curious to know, how much is Liam mm. Knox packing? Ah, <laughs> so the, the official measure um, is a six and three quarters by five and a half. So a little on the thicker side. Um, and I, I'm sure my co-stars will, I've had, I've had the segment, hold on, that's thick. <laughs> um, there are others, of course, out there that are, are bigger, but um, once again, you know, not huge, not super small, um, but I've learned to use what I've got. Um, so those are, those, those are the official dimensions of it. Do you do anything in particular to maintain a consistent pop shot in your scenes? Um, as far as an exercise regimen? Um, well, as down, far as, do, down, you, down. do you prepare anything to make sure that the cum shot is, uh, is good, basically? There's some performers oh. that like to abstain from doing stuff, that like to add, you know, drink protein shakes or whatnot just to, to increase the loadage. Um, just a lot, so I'll make sure I keep myself well hydrated. Um, plenty of minerals, since um, that pop shot is full of magnesium and calcium and um, zinc and all these, these wonderful minerals and, of course, protein. My diet consists of plenty of protein. I'm not worried about that much aspect of it. Um, but plenty of hydration. And then usually going into a scene, I will frustratingly abstain from, from coming for about usually three days before I leave for my flight. And then the morning of, I will do a really quick come, which has lent towards having a better one on the scene, which will usually be the next day. So it's just like a little pressure valve release, it seems like, to allow a little bit more in. I want to allow your fans to get to know some of your favorites. What are five of your most favorite television shows? Oh, so that, those are... Uh, so a little bit about that would be, um, I am a nerd. I do love anime. So one of my favorites is going to be Bleach. The other one is probably be Naruto Shippuden. Then we're going to delve into one of my recent favorites, which is amazing, uh, Sense8. Uh, the, because of the issues they tackle in there. It, it's just mind-blowing in the way it resonates within our community and the issues that it, that it, uh, it tackles. Uh, one of the other favorites would have to be um, Game of Thrones. Everyone loves Game of Thrones, of course. It's a little bit of a cliched answer. But, and my next one, which 
most most people wouldn't uh, you wouldn't expect this one, but uh, dear old Judge Judy, um, I love her and I love the way she approaches um, cases in general and just the way she approaches. It's not just the law; it's common sense decency as far as the way people interact in business and the way people handle each other. You you ate the steak, you pay for the steak. You don't get a free lunch. Exactly. Liam, don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining. Hey, well, not unless you're into that. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Who are four of your all-time favorite music artists? Uh, okay. So, I'll, would this include groups or individual artists? It's up to you. Okay. So, easy. You heard me talk about it from from the, from the get go of being where I'm from. Um, Dolly Parton, of course. She not just because of who she is as a music artist, but what she gives back to the, to the community in general, as as a whole, where she is from, and not just where she's from, but anywhere people need help or anywhere people need encouragement, she is willing to give to a community and give back because she has received so much as well. That's number one. Um, number two, probably one of my favorite performance artists. Um, I know these are all probably some cliched answers. However, that would be um, Lady Gaga. Um, because she has she created a character, but it's not just a character that she's created. She is actually tackling issues and she is tackling um, certain society norms within her music that I think need to be examined and if it can be done through the avenue of music which is a language that we all wind up speaking or going to um, then it's a language everyone at one point has to hear and has to understand so it's something that can carry through uh, another favorite recording artist um, would probably have to be just some good old um, Hank Williams Jr. Of, uh, is a second, but Hank Williams is primarily uh, a favorite there. And that's, of course, growing up country is going to rear its head right there. Country speaks to a, a different mindset. It speaks to a, an Appalachian mindset as well, which is a shared, let's say a shared woe and a shared history that has strong tie-ins to country music, basically going off of older Celtic uh, Celtic music styles as well, which is strong in the area. And then I have to say a a fourth would be a new new group, which would be pentatonics. Um, acapella harmonies are extremely beautiful to me, and the way they're interwoven. And I think pentatonics are a beautiful group not just in the music that they prevent, present but in the dynamic they present to each other um, and the way they try to actually give to their fans as well so it's more than just the music it's also about who the artist is outside of music what are three of your most favorite films 
I see the countdown that's happening here. I like this. Yes. Not um, that many people notice it. <laughs> I'm like, come on, people. Yeah, it's obvious. Uh, <laughs> I like that. There's thought behind this. Thank you. I appreciate so, um, it. Uh, oh, welcome. Uh, three of my favorite films. Um, so, let's see here. One of my favorite films is going to be I know it's 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 silly and kitschy um, and gay, but it's also a film that uh, I, did, I identified with growing up. And when you're a younger gay male, these are the image, these are the films that stick with you. Of course, um, would be the movie Trick, which had Tori Spelling and a wonderful cast, and you know. Um, so much so that you see this it's a it's a follies it's it's an exercise of follies of course of two young men trying to experience each other a random hookup and wind up building something more out of it or the possibility of it so it's the reason it's one of my favorites is because it is um an experiment in failures that lead to knowledge of each other and building something more so you can build something more than just off of something random um, as long as both people are interested um, and it's and it's heartwarming the fact that you could potentially find love out of the random so there's hope involved in that that's the reason it's one of my favorites number two uh, one of my favorite movies is of course because it has one of my favorite performers in it and favorite uh, song artists is going to be Steel Magnolias with Dolly Parton in it. Um, because it is a screenplay based off of a true story. Um, the playwright is gay, or the, the author was gay, of course, and it's about his sister. It's a story of his sister and the way her family and her and his his mother's friends dealt with this um and i mean it's a tour de force of course of oh that was a rhyme of amazing actresses when you have olympia dukakis when you have shirley mclean dolly parton sally field a young julia roberts all these wonderful actresses that show the strength of southern women and the way they can come together um to be there for each other it's i think a, a testament to what the true nature of the South can be. Um, that it is a story of solidarity, a story of a community, and a story of people who come from very different backgrounds, who come from very um, different um, mindsets, or different personalities and come together. So that's another reason it's one of my favorites is it has a true life bearing to it. And probably another one of my favorite movies, um, that would have to be the movie Jeffrey. Another one of those movies that had its influence on me um, because when you're a young gay man coming out um, and you see a movie that tackles an issue of something we still 
deal with today. Not so much so as it was presented then because of modern medications that are out there. Um, but when it tackles the issue of love, um, love with a Sarah discordant couple or a building Sarah discordant couple um, that tackles the issue of um, homosexuality in society um, and the way we can actually be as a community um, and the way that Jeffrey comes has to work through his issues of intimacy of love uh, and a fear of intimacy because of a fear of getting sick it's something everyone still deals with today so that's probably still one of my favorite movies is because of the issues it deals with that we all still d grapple with today of people being afraid of loving because they're afraid of losing someone or getting sick themselves or losing something within themselves what are two foods you can't live without oh that's the well, first one is going to be a guilty pleasure so i cannot live without gummy candy um that is probably one of my my little sins but i will quantify this by saying that is a post-workout and pre-workout thing so it gets burned off and it turns back into muscle glycogen so there's a purpose on at least i incorporate yes. it so that it's not just something completely horrible um and probably one of my other favorite foods that I cannot live without would be bacon. Good choice. Boomer and I share that in common. <laughs> and what is one of your guilty pleasures? Oh, there are so many, but I guess one of my guilty pleasures would have to be Godzilla movies. Um, you could just put them on and sit back and listen to them and go, this is so absolutely horrible, but I cannot stop watching it. I know it's a silly guilty pleasure, but when you're just sitting there with a, like a pint, a pint of three twins ice cream watching it, I mean, that's a, that qualifies as a guilty pleasure to me. What is next for Liam Knox? You've released some incredible scenes so far some of the productions that you've been involved with include uh, like the ones that we've mentioned throughout the interview two men kiss audition tax the recently released pool service and i know upcoming we have sling coming out so beyond those titles what's coming in the future for liam knox oh uh, we have well those things were great there and um, that's another fun one that was that scene was great to make because uh, it was in the gym factory uh, down in Palm Springs with Sling. But we've upcoming you're going to see a an homage to Bubble Butts coming from Titan, and that's going to include a scene with Luke Adams. You're going to see things, um, a a movie that I think the title is still. In, uh, in discussion, but a movie that is involved with mentorship um, and men being a guiding role to each other. And that's going to be a scene with um, a newcomer and amazing man, a really great guy, uh, Damon Voss, 
And then there'll be a scene in there with his husband, Julian Knowles. You're going to see, um, there's, there's a lot coming out. So a scene upcoming, um, let's see here. You'll see some work coming up with um, Dakota Rivers and Micah Brandt. Um, you're going to see scenes, a lot of scenes coming out. Um, I've been in it since September, and six, six scenes have been released in general, five movies. Yes, five movies. And we have a grand total of six more that have to come out. So that's been 12 scenes of coming 14 within less than a year. And a lot more to go, hopefully. Very awesome. Certainly a lot of great scenes and great productions uh, to anticipate in the very near future. That's very cool. And that's, yes, it's, and of course, I love how Jason Mark always releases these little, you know, what he's editing and what he's working on. It's like, oh, it's already time for that. Great. Let's let's see let's see what's happening. Let's 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 do this. Um, so I'm looking forward to what's coming out. It's going to be fun. Um, like I said, I'm going to have viewing scheduled with my friends so that I can watch. And I, of course, I always welcome feedback. Um, constructive feedback from people that have watched my scenes that let me know this is what I enjoyed. This is, you know, here's this, what this, I love this. Um, this angle was great. I like, you know, even things like how you had your hair. I like to hear these things because that means I'm being, I want to be responsive to what my fans or Titans fans are watching and what they need just like any chemistry with your scene partner I want you to tell me what you need I want you to tell me what you like so that it can build upon or change little things that need to be worked on or incorporate something that that fan base likes I like that I love a performer that's interactive uh, with uh, his fan base that's pretty awesome so talking about the fan base how can your fans reach you where can they find you on the web social media all of the goodies uh, well right now Liam um, I'm only on Twitter right now so that's gonna be at Liam Knox that's with four X's um, there will be an Instagram upcoming as well uh, so that my fans can interact with me is on um, through there um, also through Titan uh, able to contact me through Titan as well um, I'd like to be fairly responsive through Twitter to my fans uh, that way if they have a question I can interact with them it's in 140 characters yes but that can always post multiple multiple uh, multiple posts so that can answer a question and then I can always provide them at that point with an email so we can correspond in uh, longer text as well. Um, and this, it's the same thing with promoters that are out there with um, advertisers that can contact at, at Liam Knox so that maybe you can work with your brand or bring you to Titan, bring them to Titan. And I think that provides nothing but synergy for the industry when in, when businesses can work together to build a product much like Titan has worked with uh, with 
gear and the gym factory in Palm Springs. It's a community that supports each other. Well, this does bring us to the end of our interview. Is there anything that you would like to say to your fans and supporters? Um, I would... There are so many things that I would like to say. However, I'll try to keep it as succinct as possible. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I'm honored that you have taken and enjoyed my scenes. I'm flattered that you continued to watch them um, and that the response has been as overwhelmingly positive as it has. Um, I would like to thank you for listening to me, um, for listening to my voice and my opinion. Um, and I would like to just thank you, my fans in general, for being accepting and bringing me into their homes, onto their hard drives, even onto their phones. Well, I want to thank you so much for the interview, Liam. Well, thank you very much. I've enjoyed this. It's been it's been great. I've enjoyed the chance to sit and talk with you. Awesome. Likewise. And listeners, I also want to thank you for tuning into One on One with Poppy Chulo. Once again, here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Thank you for downloading One on One with Poppy Chulo. Here are a few helpful reminders. For more information on One on One with Poppy Chulo, Visit poppychularadio.com slash after dark. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. Follow Poppy Chulo on Twitter at twitter.com slash poppychulo one on one. That's at poppychulo. The number one. The word on. And the number one. Help support Poppy Chula Radio financially by visiting go fund me dot com slash poppy chula radio are you interested in joining the poppy chula radio team as an on-air personality or blog contributor email talent at poppy back to you poppy chulo thanks announcer with that liam knox and i would like to wish you and yours a wonderful night good night listeners good night listeners and thank you Thanks for listening to One on One with Poppy Chulo. To contact us with any of your questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns, email us at contact at poppychuloradio.com or leave us a voicemail at 305-515-8620. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter by going to twitter.com slash poppychuloradio and like us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash poppychuloradio. Be sure to listen again next week as we continue to showcase exclusive interviews with some of the adult industry's most popular male performers. This is Ben Patrick Johnson saying good night and have a wonderful week. <laughs>